Okay, go. Hello and welcome to the Vroom Vroom Veer podcast with Jeff Smith. My name is Joe Applebaum, CEO and founder of Ajax Union. To find out more information about me, you can visit ajaxunion.com or you can visit my personal website, joeapplebaum.com, and sign up for my weekly newsletter where you can learn more about personal growth. Hey, well done, sir. Thank you. And you can just edit the week, week, you know, thing that I said there if you want to. No, it's all good. That's that's perfect. Or you could just keep it natural. Yes, I'm gonna just leave it all in, even this. Okay, I have to go away for a sec, and because uh, I have to hit stop on the recorder and uh, start a new one. But when I come back, we'll start the show. Let's do that. All right. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Jordan Goodman, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? Great to be with you, Jeff. All right. So you are America's money answers man. So talk a little bit about what you got going on at moneyanswers.com. Well, my mission for about 40 years has been helping people make good personal financial decisions on every topic you can imagine. And we're going to cover a lot of them here. Uh, getting better mortgages, getting better credit cards, investing their money, uh, insurance policies. I mean, you name it. This is what I've been covering for a long, long time. My basic b- background has been as a journalist. Oh, okay. I was, Money, I was at Money Magazine for 18 years, NBC News for nine years, uh, Marketplace Radio and Public Radio for six years. I've done 14 books on different areas of personal finance. Wow. So I come at it as a journalist trying to help people. Uh, make these decisions and give lots of specific resources and strategies and websites. And this is just the way I think about the world. Is right. People need a lot more financial knowledge than they've got. So true. And I oh, love to help yeah. them. I, and I really right. do. And I'm going to give a lot during the show, but I take people's emails at moneyanswers.com. And they tell me all of their traumas and life histories and stories yeah. and dramas of all kinds. And I actually call them back and help these people out. I mean, it's, 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 I'm kind of a half journalist, half social worker sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, financial social worker, I guess you might you, say. You know, that's good because this show, a lot of people tell me after they do this show, it's like they just got an hour of free therapy. So it, it's, it, it's like that. It, yeah. Because yeah. money is so majority, personal, you know? The vast majority of Americans do not have financial advisors. And the right. reason is financial advisors only want to deal with you if you've got lots of money, like yeah. at least 100000 if not more, to right. invest. Right, right. So they're all aimed at the top. I'll be generous, 10% of the population, and the remaining 90% pretty much have nobody. Right. Uh, doesn't mean they don't have financial decisions, financial questions. In many cases, they do not have financial knowledge. I mean, you go through K through 12 and college and graduate school and PhDs and everything else, and you'll know everything about German history and Greek philosophy and French <laughs> art and all kinds of wonderful stuff. But how do you allocate your 401k? You've got 50 choices here? Or yeah. Uh, should I do an adjustable fix rate mortgage or how should I get out of credit card debt? Or yeah. This is a complete uh, you know, minefield for most people. They don't have a clue how to do it. So they have to make these decisions 
and without the knowledge base to do it. And that's why they flounder. And that's why you see we have over a trillion dollars in credit card debt. Yeah. We have 1.4 trillion in student loan debt. Yeah. Uh, we have people defaulting on their mortgages. We have people keeping money in CDs earning zero for 10 years instead of, you know, I mean, they're just. The amount you see the results of financial illiteracy all over the right, place. Right. Well, and, and that's where I come in. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the you you know you've hit like the one side of it is like there is in the education system there's this money vacuum of you know you just get no education whatsoever and right. maybe if you do get it it's usually bad advice. <laughs> maybe we're it's so bland that doesn't really help right. people. I mean, I, I this is a bit of pack. You're talking of mine to high school time. kids, you know, and the, and they don't know anything about money. Most of them don't. If right. you get them involved, and I'm passionate about financial sure. education. It's I am really big in financial literacy. If you get the kids involved, they love it. And right. they form yeah. investment clubs, and they do stock market trading, and they, they really get into it. Yeah. Uh, but just in many cases, they're not exposed to it. But once they are exposed to it, it's a fantastic thing. It's just a very small portion of the overall population. The overall population is you know, financially illiterate, uh, basically. And sure. I'll just give you an example, if this helps. I, I do uh, speeches in schools, high schools. Uh, I'm, I'm in the New York area, so I go to the Bronx and Brooklyn and all kinds of places. And I do a class, typically like the seniors, of uh, home economics or whatever it may right. be. Right, that's where they teach the, yeah. That's where they teach. And, and I teach them about stocks. And the way I do it is I say, okay, what is in your actual life? And what's in this room right now? So what sne sneakers are you? Oh, I'm wearing Nike sneakers. What what search engine did you just use to, oh, I used Google. Uh, where did you have lunch? I went to McDonald's. You know, who's powering this, uh, you know, room? Con Edison. Uh, and just things in their life. I said, really? You can invest in those things? And I was like, absolutely. And explaining the whole concept of stock ownership. And then I show them charts. Had you invested in Google 10 years ago, it would be now worth 10 times what you invested. And you know, how could they possibly make money? It's always free, right? And explain the whole concept of Google. And so by, by bringing it to them and their own life. Yeah, meeting they, them where like they opening are. opening a right? completely another world to them they've never heard about before at all. Never even thought about. And after an hour, I really get them in. I want to learn about this stuff. This is mm. great. Mm. I can make money. I can participate in the things in my everyday life. Uh, and it's just a complete transformation in an hour. <laughs> so right, I, right. I, I, just get people, you know, interested and involved and exposed, and amazing things can happen. So that's one of my passions. Let me start with a, a story from me. Um, so let's see, where the hell was I? It was like 1997-ish, and I was still active duty Air Force, and somebody in my family, I think, and the office said, you really need to be, if nothing else, you need to be, uh, this I think was before Roth IRAs even existed, but they said, you have to max out your IRA every year for you and your wife. That should be uh -huh. your first goal, right? Yeah. So I did that. You know, I don't remember what I bought. I think it was like a Janus mutual fund just because I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. But yes, I did that, yes. you know, yeah, you know? Yeah. and and, you know, because I didn't get any more advice after that, I think I did that for. Wow. Um, probably. Let's see. Uh, somewhere somewhere between 97 and 2000. I met another guy. 
and he was just like me, right? We were like the same rank. We were both staff sergeants. We had more or less pretty easy jobs, so we were screwing around a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he worked in the history office, and I worked in this weird quality office, which doesn't even exist anymore, but that's when the whole quality okay. movement was going on. You had on. time on your hands to invest. Yes, to yeah, exactly. So I don't know why, but I found myself hanging out in this guy's office, and he was messing around on uh, his brokerage account, right? Mm-hmm. And I just happened to peek over, and I'm like, oh, you're in investing. I max out my 401, uh, my IRA. And he's like, so? What else are you doing? <laughs> you can save way yeah. more than that. And then he opened up my whole world just by saying, like, Motley Fool, right? Right, right. And from that point on, my my real financial education started. So That's right. It yeah. did not happen in school. It happened by a, a Just an accident. Part. Yeah. Right. Just totally I mean, I've actually accident. spoken on quite a few Air Force bases. I spoke at Beale Air Force Base. Oh, Nice. I spoke at Eglin Air Force Base, Nellis. I've been to quite a few of these. And the they're brilliant, these people who are doing all these. I remember I was at Beale Air Force Base, and they were doing all these reconnaissance flights and all these kind of things. They know everything about the Russians and all that. <laughs> but, and they're really sharp people, but they don't know anything about investing. It was right, like, right. I turned them on to it. It was like, wow. It's, you know, they can kind of focus their intelligence on something that's going to benefit them. I mean, and the government, you have these TSPs, as they're called, yep. thrift savings plans. Yep. Which, which is, is basically kind of like a 401k vanilla. for. Yeah, it's a plain vanilla, you yeah. know, S&P 500 fund and small cap, which is yeah. to start. But you get people, it's the same kind of thing. Even though they're not teenagers, it's the same thing. You turn them on to this stuff and like, wow, really great stuff happens. And in general, the more time and effort you spend on your money, the better you're going to do. Right. And the less time and effort you spend on it, the worse you're going to do as a general rule. <laughs> so there's a big return for spending a little bit of time and effort and learning about this kind of stuff. So let's talk uh, about uh, some of your veers, like we were talking about when in the pre-show chat. So mm-hmm. so just like, say, pick a topic that you kind of had like a less than ideal kind of step in it lesson. As we like to oh, I'll say. give you a big one. Yeah. I'll give please. you a really big one. Yeah. Okay? yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be the, the ultimate veer here. Okay. You know, I'm going to. Compete with all your other guests. All the other veers, yes. (laughs) I'm going to go for the ultimate veer, I guess you might say. Okay. So um, uh, I was at Money Magazine for many, many years, 18 years, and I used to do a weekly uh, radio show uh, with a guy named Sonny Block uh, in New York. He was on 300 stations around the country for 10 years. He interviewed Alan Greenspan and all the top Wall Street. I mean, he was the most reputable person around doing this show forever and ever and ever. He'd done seven previous books where he never wrote a word, but he had other people do it. And he was on the cover with the writer. And he proposed to me, said, you know, we should really do a book together, uh, kind of a broad-based personal finance book. So making a long story short, we did it. And it's called Everyone's Money Book, 970 pages. I wrote the thing 100%. We had the, you know, they're on the cover together. The book comes out in 1992. And soon thereafter... Uh, he gets in trouble uh, with the SEC. He's he bought <laughs> some radio stations, and he was selling unregistered securities by promoting these radio stations for people to buy into them on the air, which is a complete you know no no to be selling unregistered securities in a public way like that. Mm. So anyway, to make a long story short, he then divorces his wife in New York, goes and and marries a Dominican printing baroness. Her her family <laughs> wow. Ferreras. They own all the printing presses throughout Central and South America, all magazines, all newspapers, and they have this glorious castle 
in the Dominican Republic. And so he divorces his wife, moves in with Hilda Cabrera, uh, and he's broadcasting from the pool and the gold chains and the, you know, the, everything. And, <laughs> he's living lifestyles of the rich and famous. Living lifestyles of the rich because he didn't think there was an extradition treaty with Dominican Republic. Oops. Okay, So he's like flaunting it. In fact, there were stories like in the New York Daily News, you know, Sonny living by the pool and they can't go get him. It's like, well, it turns out there was an extradition treaty and they went <laughs> and got him. And so the FBI is there and uh, they pull him in. There's a place called the Tombs, which is the, the holding cell in New York. So he ends up there. So anyway, all this is happening. All these tabloids and Sonny gets taken in. While I'm on the cover with Sonny of this big book being promoted all over the place, and I'm at Money Magazine. This was not good. Okay. Yeah. Well, I had this this might be it. bad publicity. Maybe. Uh, might I'd go a little maybe. stronger than might. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I was trying to be gentle. <laughs> um, so uh, and there's nothing I did wrong. Nothing about the book was wrong, but the taint was. Yes. So well, anyway, picture on the I, cover with with now felony, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. And and so um, it'd be like Susie Orman today, or, or um, uh, Dave Ramsey, you know, kind of the version of uh, right. today. So and they're so, on a cover, um, book cover with Bernie Madoff. Exactly. Very very good. <laughs> very good. Gotcha. So uh, I had to learn how to get a letter into his cell in the tombs to get him to sign to agree to have his name. And picture taken off the book because you know he had to have he had to approve that. Okay. And so you have to go to the right guard and do the you know his cell number and all these kind of things. I learned about things I never had to learn before. You know. Yeah. And I did it. I finally got it and he he had a hand scrawled note coming back saying yes I give you authority to you know take my name and picture off the book and we immediately came out with another edition and and you know it, it worked out okay but the embarrassment. Um, that was a real veer, I'll tell you, because, uh, you know, here I am at Money Magazine, I'm getting a hard time. Every time there's a cover story in the New York Post about the latest thing with Sonny and all that, it was just right. like, so, so anyway, I survived it in the end by coming out with another edition, uh, that he had nothing to do with, but, uh, that was a, a tremendous veer, I That's guess you might say. That's a huge veer. <laughs> Does that count in your, <laughs> your yeah. gallow of ears, your, your... <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty big. I don't I don't think now I've had, you know, other people going to prison, you know, but it was more of like uh they were wrongly accused. This guy doesn't seem like he was wrongly accused. No, and I mean and I remember <laughs> when we went he to did the it. photo shoot, when we went to the photo shoot to shoot the cover picture, I started learning about some of these things. It what that was the main thing, but there were some other things that were a little bit on the shady side. And I said, Sonny, you do not have to do this. Don't be greedy. He had a four-story brownstone. He owned the Sun Radio Network. He had a wonderful wife and two kids and multimillionaire. I said, you don't have to do this. Don't do it. You're just, it's not worth it, you know? Mm. They said, oh, no, it'll be fine. It's, you know, it's all, they'll never get me. And, you know, they, when you become very powerful, you think you're above the law. Right. And uh, that's what he, he thought. And he wasn't. <laughs> no. But it was, it, but the whole thing of the Dominican thing, and he was broadcasting three hours a day on 300 stations from the pool at the Dominican Republic, flaunting the unbeat, you know, yeah. there's no extradition, you know, you just try come and getting me and I'm going to keep broadcasting here and it's all a conspiracy and all that. And then the next thing they went and got him. <laughs> so that's, that's one of my bigger fears. I must say. That's a huge fear. <laughs> <laughs> so you did, did you keep your job? I did. Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't do anything wrong. Okay. I mean, I, the only thing so I did other wrong than, other than the was associate 
associate yeah. with somebody. Right, right. Well, there is well, that. I mean, you you did suffer through the guilt by association. Right. Yes. Right. But again, right. it wasn't as though as one. I, I'd been on his show for weekly for ten years. Right. You know, and he'd done every other major person on earth, and he'd done seven previous books. So it's not as though. I was just picking up with a guy and, you know, right. he was going right to jail. It was a whole long thing. <laughs> Things well, turned know, the wrong way. The, I heard that, too, about how why it took so long to bust Bernie Madoff was because he was so connected. Well, and, yeah, and I'll tell a, you exactly. I'll tell you why Bernie Madoff was, was actually brought down. Um, you might remember this happened in December uh, 2008. Well, what happened in October 2008? The stock market crashed, right? Okay. So everybody who had money with Bernie Madoff said, well, at least that money's safe. I'm earning my 9% and everything's fine. But they're taking losses and having margin calls on the stock market plummeting the month before. So okay. they said, I've got to get some money from my Bernie Madoff account to cover my losses everywhere else. <laughs> right. And he had a massive rush of redemptions that he couldn't meet. Right. Because, but it had nothing to do with him. It was because the market fell. And when oh. he couldn't meet those redemptions, that's when the pyramid scale scheme fell apart. So had he, that, he the had market sort not of a, gone he down, he would did, have continued on. He had enough cash reserve to keep things afloat in an ordinary market kind of thing. In an ordinary market. I mean, the yeah. money he was bringing in from new investors. Right, right, right. Is what he would use to pay the returns on the old investors. Yeah. That's and, what, and that went that's on what for the Ponzi scheme years. is. Yes. <laughs> he came up with $50 billion. Can you imagine waking up in the morning saying, I've got a $50 billion pyramid scheme that I need to support by bringing in new money every day. Wow. And he was a master at it. I'm, I'm not that good. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> but, but when he had the redemptions, that's what put, he couldn't meet the redemptions. Wow. And that's when he called his sons in and said the whole thing's a pyramid scheme and they had no clue whatsoever. Wow. And it closed down in a day and he admitted the whole thing. He had been audited six times by the SEC. And nobody and they were looking for the wrong money. thing. Right. They were looking for front running, which is where you're trading ahead of your customers. Mm -hmm. He never did any of that. In fact, there were no trades at all. The whole thing was did not literally exist. <laughs> so, $50 billion, and then no trades ever, ever actually been done. There were statements that showed trades, but it never actually happened. Wow. <laughs> so I know all about this. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> it's scary that people can get away with that, you know? Yeah, but I'm saying, had the market not fallen, he would still be doing it today. Probably. Wow. Yes. It would be $100 <laughs> billion. <laughs> so, okay, uh, let's move on to, yes. like, is there a veer? So I see on your uh, on your little email that you sent me, you talk about earning decent yields on money safely. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'd like to do that. So <laughs> let's talk about that. First well, that's off. That's one of the biggest questions I get all the time is yeah. I've got money. Sitting in savings accounts, CDs, right, right. money market funds, treasury bills, earning zero. And it's going right. to stay that way yeah. for as far as the eye can see. Yeah. So I'm always about solutions, not just problems. That's the problem. Yeah. I'll give you, there are several solutions, but I'll give you the one I'm telling people about the most frequently, which is something called commercial real estate income funds. And okay. I'm going to give websites to help people actually implement these things as well. There is a website, commercial realestateincomefunds.com. Okay. It's a way of earning 8% super safely. Yeah. Per year over, you know, each yeah, year. Yeah, per annum. Uh, you get monthly say. checks if you like, or you can reinvest it and keep your money compounding at 8%. Wow. Minimum hold 18 months. After that, you can get your money whenever you like. Okay. No fees or commissions of any kind. 100% of what you invest gets the 8%. And it's very safe because what they're doing is they're lending to high-quality commercial real estate projects 
uh, could be shopping centers, apartment buildings, assisted living, student loan housing, you know, some kind of a commercial project. Right. Who pay the interest while the project is being done. And when the project is done a year later or so, uh, you not only get your money back, the, the fund gets its money back, but it shares in the profit that has been created by the value of the property going up. And they may have 30 or 40 going on at any particular time, so it's diversified geographically. And it's diversified by property type, as I mentioned. In the same fund, you're going to have all these different types I just mentioned. Okay. Uh, the maximum that they lend is 70% of the value of the property. So there's a, what I call the equity cushion is that 30%. The, the, the people who are doing the borrowing and developing have a lot of skin in the game, 30% and sometimes more. Hmm. So their job is to make the thing work. They're in there to improve their property, not lose their property. So you could use this as, well... Now, can you use this for so, like, just like your emergency backup money kind of well, thing? Well, kind of, but it's not kinda liquid. Kind of not. It's, it's not, not super liquid, it's, right? It's yeah. not super liquid. No, it, it, the minimum hold is 18 months. Right. So it's money you really shouldn't need for 18 months. But say you have an IRA mm -hmm. and you're, you know, in your 40s or something and you want to get it growing and you compound it. This is an alternative to just to leaving cash, it in cash and bonds. Right. Okay. Okay. It's not going to go up 50% like a stock, right. but it's not going to go down either. Right, okay, right. your principle is really quite secure. Right. I, I do not use the word guaranteed. That is not a word I use. That's FDIC territory. Okay, yes, there are it, no It's not a bank, right? <laughs> it's not a bank. But if you right. want a bank, you're going to get zero. Okay? You're going to get zero. So, uh, right, right. Um, but there, there's a solution that a lot of people have not heard about on uh, the long term track record of having done these things. And and there's a way of getting 8%, which if you have a lot of money, you pretty good. I mean, yeah. To get monthly checks at 8% is a good thing, right? Yeah. And if you don't need it, reinvest it and compound it. And then you get profit sharing on top of that. And then so after the properties 18, are sold, after, what get, Go ahead. I'm saying at, when the properties are sold, you get an additional 1% or 2% on top of that. Oh, so okay. It's actually more, it's more like 10, but 8 for sure, 9, 10, depending on how the properties uh, work out. Okay. Um, so, you know, that, that's a great. Then after 18 months, you get your money back. Most people keep it longer than that. Mm. Um, and you can do it in an IRA. You can do it outside an IRA. Uh, so a lot of people, there's something about $10 trillion now sitting in money market funds, CDs, savings yeah. accounts, earning right. Zippo. Zit. Yes. And, and yeah. there's, a, there's a way I've just made your money go up eight times faster than it was before right there. Sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's like I'm always looking for, yeah, I kind of have moved a lot of my money. I used to be the guy that as soon as I put any money in any of my brokerage accounts, IRA or otherwise... I always immediately put it in the stock market, right? Yeah. And that's fine. But now I'm, I'm thinking about getting closer to retirement, right? So You've got to be more conservative. I mean, I, stock market yeah, had an amazing exactly. run. It's right. been fantastic. Right. But we, we've had a the, – the bottom of the market was March 2009. Mm -hmm. So it's been up for eight straight years pretty much. Yeah, yeah. This is very long in the tooth, as I would say. And right. at some point it's going to correct. Right, right. Maybe just for normal reasons. Maybe we'll have a nuclear war with yeah. North Korea, which would not be good for the stock market. You no, know? no. Uh, and if you've got, is, if you've got time to, to write it out, that's fine. But if you want to start spending it sometime soon in the next in 10, particular, if you need current years, income. Right. You know, say right, you're retired right. and yeah. you don't have your job anymore and you've got this big pile of cash. 8% is really good. Yeah. I so anyway, that's that's something I hear about all the time, and and there's something that can help people right there. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what uh, your position on mortgages and how to how to optimize your mortgage. I uh, so this yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just going to say I uh, 
I don't want to do the math because I live in California. And, okay. uh, and I bought my house uh, at the end of 2003. So this I bought at sort of like the beginning of the growing of the bubble. The bubble was just getting like it had like a couple of breaths in it, right? <laughs> well, like 2006 was really the peak. Right. Like well, yeah. It hadn't yeah. it hadn't peaked yet, right? But right. I, I had bought in with one of those exotic arms with there's oh an oh 80/20 split and you're not paying any interest at on you're not paying any principal at all. Uh, Interest just only. like right. yes, right. and it's like the worst loan ever, right? Yes, but I got Those in. All the banks that went under. Yeah, yes. I got in. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I can't remember who did I start with. I started with one of the one, my my original mortgage lender was one of the big ones that got wiped like out. Washington Mutual or Washington. Uh, I was with Washington Mutual, w- but Wami. yeah, there was yeah. Uh, there was also. The lender countrywide. Countrywide. That's it. That's the one. Oh yes, bringing back all our memories here. (laughs) All of our nightmares in the financial world. But anyway, so trials and tribulations. The last mortgage that I got into after refining, I don't even want to remember how many times I refined. But I was just like getting better every time. Um, but then, well, the, you, you yeah. were getting better in one way, and you were getting a lower payment and lower interest rate. But what you were doing is starting yeah. a new thirty-year clock all over again. What? Right? Yeah. And all the interest yeah, you'd yeah. paid on the previous mortgage, you just threw away. Right. It was nuts. So what yeah. I what I'm in now, what I ended up in, I think I want to say like around 2010. I, I want to say is okay. uh, we refied into a 15-year fixed, and okay. we started throwing. Ec- Anytime we had extra money, we would start just throwing at it, throwing it at principal. And, exactly uh, the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Really? Okay. So, Absolutely. So, <laughs> so there's a big veer for me. I just learned something. So, okay. So you start in 2010 for 15. So you have 10 more years to go. Well, I'm right? selling the house, so doesn't matter. Well, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So say say you weren't selling this. Okay. So okay. Well, actually, so say you have. Eight years to go, something like that. Okay. How about if I could show you how to pay that off in three years on your existing level of income? Oh, that'd be instead great. Instead of eight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what's called mortgage optimization, mortgage optimization strategy. Okay. okay. See, the traditional system, which is what you've been doing, which most people do, is they get a mortgage, either 15 or 30 year. Mm-hmm. And what that does, you're making the same payment for 15 or 30 years. The front end years, like... For a 30-year mortgage, 10 years of it maybe. For a 15-year mortgage, maybe five years of it. It's uh-huh. pretty much all interest. You're making very, very little progress in the principal. Okay. okay the interest right. is all front and loaded, right? Right, right. And every time you refinance, all the interest you'd paid in the previous years, you just threw away because you right. start a new clock. Even though it's a lower rate and lower interest, you, you start a new 30-year clock with all that interest up front. Yikes. Right? And meanwhile, you keep your money, your checking account, your pay, you know, your paycheck, in a checking account earning zero, right? Right. This so is a system that works very well for the banks. <laughs> right. Yes. When you say it that way, it's like, duh. <laughs> you, you give them your money for free. Right. And they charge you interest up front. Yeah. And occasionally you restart the clock so they get more interest up front. Right. Right? Wow. That's what you've been doing. And okay. you're just like everybody else. So there's sure. nothing no, no, wrong no. about it. But no. it's just, if you understand how to play the game, it's completely stupid. Okay. <laughs> So don't feel bad. Feel like you're learning something. I learned something. Yes. We learned together. There you go. Okay. So instead, what you do is what's called mortgage equity optimization. Okay. And you you take out the first mortgage as you had, but you do a second in what's called a HELOC, Home Equity Line of Credit, H-E-L-O-C. Okay. A HELOC is a liquid line 
second mortgage against your house. You can put money in. You can take it out whenever you like. No uh -huh. penalties, no fees, electronically, in and out. You can write checks on it and so on. Mm. And you keep your income, which is normally sitting in the checking account earning zero, in the HELOC. Okay, again, you can put money in. You can take it out whenever you like. Interesting. Okay. okay. HELOCs are based on what's called average daily balance. How much do I owe today? So if you put money in it, you owe less. And therefore, you're paying interest on less principal. Right? Interesting. Okay. And then you write checks on it. So you pay your bills out of the HELOC as well. But your money every day is pushing down your HELOC balance. Uh, so you're okay? just taking your paycheck and you're paying off your HELOC principal, basically. Every day you are make, you're paying off your HELOC balance at an accelerating rate. Okay. As, as the principal goes down, the interest goes down. So your payment is actually going down every day or every month at an accelerating rate as you pay the mortgage off faster. Wow. Now you do what's called a blended strategy where you combine that with the first and you use the HELOC to pay off your first. I'm going to give you a very oversimplified example. I know you're in California, but just for everybody, I'm going right, to give you right. let, let's say a house is worth 300,000. Okay. okay. Let's say you got a $200,000 first at 4%, you know, at a really good rate, okay? Right. Now you take out a $50,000 HELOC, you have plenty of equity, right? Take a sure. $50,000 HELOC. You just open it up, and a HELOC is at a prime rate or a little bit more than the prime, 4%, something like that today, okay? So you've opened up the HELOC. You just opened it so it hasn't been used yet. You write a $50,000 check on your new HELOC towards the first. So instead of owing 200 you now owe 150 Okay. Right? That's good chunk. Okay. Now you, and that all goes so towards principal, or did that go on Now your payments on the first, you make the same payments, uh -huh. but instead of doing a 200 of principal, you're doing 150 right. principal. So your existing payments right. are paying off more principal. Okay, right? good. But the real thing is that HELOC, you now owe 50000 on your HELOC. You use this technique we just talked about to move your principal balance down, and over six months, nine months, however long it takes, let's say it's nine months, you pay the 50000 off because you've got money in there pushing down the principal every day. Okay. So nine mm -hmm. months from now, your $50,000 is down to zero. Do it again. You write another $50,000 check okay. on the HELOC, wow. which is your first. I love this. So instead of $150,000, you now owe 100 All right. Right? Do it again nine months later. Do it again twice more. Your first is now paid off. Then you do the HELOC and you pay off the 50 And then five, six years, you are completely mortgage-free on the same income you've had before. Wow. I love that. that now, there's a website that can actually help you implement. I've just given you the concept. There's a yeah, lot of yeah, detail. Yeah. Right, right. The website is called truthinequity.com. Truthinequity.com. It's a free website. You put in your numbers and what's called a personal profile. Uh -huh. You put in your income, your expenses, your house, your mortgage, all the different things and say, okay, based on what you're doing today, and like in your case, you are going to pay off your mortgage in eight years, whatever it may be. Right. Based on the numbers you just gave us, you are going to pay your mortgage off in 2.8 years or whatever the number comes out <laughs> yeah, to be. right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then they show you step by step how to do it. Now, there's three things you need to make this work. First thing, you've got to have equity in your house. Right. Because it's nothing to borrow against if you're underwater. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Second thing, you've got to have a decent credit score, maybe 680 or higher okay. to be able to qualify for the HELOC. Right. And the third thing you need is positive cash flow. During the month, more money coming in than going out because that positive cash flow is what's pushing down the principal every day. And the more positive cash flow you have, the faster it gets paid down. Yeah, so whatever you would be ordinarily chucking away in the savings account, you just divert that on, into... On which you're earning nothing. Right. Here, <laughs> right. right. Instead of keeping the savings account earning zero, 
that same money is in the HELOC pushing down your principal balance every day. Right. Your money is actually working for you instead of the bank. What a revolutionary idea. Wow. So I have just helped your Genius. listeners literally save 25 years off a 30-year mortgage and hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest, and your bank will never tell you about it. You could go to a bank and say, I'd like to do mortgage optimization. They will have no clue what your interest, and frankly, no interest in finding out, because <laughs> they, they think the system working real well for them right now. Can we refinance your mortgage and start the clock all over again? That's a really great idea for you, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. That's the big question that people ask. They're asking the wrong question. What's my rate and what's my payment? Mm. That's what people ask. Right. The real mm. question you should be asking, the bank never wants you to ask, is how fast do I pay off my principal? Right. Are there any, are there any, uh, are there any like uh, penalties <laughs> to early payment, maybe? No. You want to make sure there's no prepayment penalty. Right, right, right. right. They used to have that in the old days, but today most mortgages... They, they can't the, get away the with that guy's anymore. Say, boy, did you pay that off fast? How did you do that? Tell me about it, and then mm. <laughs> you can teach the bank or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's what's called mortgage optimization. It is revolutionary. It, it, it's it's actually quite common in Australia and Hong Kong and other places. It's been it, it's it's happening in America, but less than you might think because the banks are so resistant to it. Mm. Right? Yeah, it makes sense because yeah. you know they're that you're you're horning in on their business. Uh, yeah, that's what I say. That's why <laughs> banks always have the big buildings in every town. It's all that right. interest you've been paying them, right? That they pay themselves big salaries and stockholder dividends and big buildings. So it doesn't have to be that way at all. So your money is not working for you. It's very empowering. Say you're a 35 year old couple. You just got a new house, and say your mortgage is paid off by 40 instead of 65. Will that make a difference in your life? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> So then after your mortgage is paid off, you keep making your poor mortgage payment to you. Right. Right. You make it into an IRA and you investments. And now your money is growing. You're mortgage free. And if you ever need anything, you got to buy a car or whatever, do it on your HELOC. Use your HELOC as your checking account, in effect. So, so now I, I know you've got some strategies and some how to's to buy cars. So sure. are, are you not a fan of buying cars with cash? Depends on your situation. Okay. Uh, buying versus leasing is really the big question. Depends oh, okay. on how you're uh, using the car. Now, if you have relatively small mileage, like under 15000 a year, leasing can make a lot, of, a lot of sense, particularly for a higher-end car, anything over like 40000 or something like that. Mm. I would say buy things that appreciate, stocks, bonds, real estate, 401ks, whatever. Lease things that depreciate. Mm, cars always right? depreciate. As soon as you drive them off the lot. <laughs> You've just lost five thousand right. dollars in one second. Okay, <laughs> right. This is not an investment. Okay, yeah. this is a way to lose money mm. for which you get transportation. Okay, right. that's a bit. So with leasing, yeah. I, I've always leased actually, and I get nice cars. I've got an Infinity, and I'm on my fifth lease, and I turn it back in and get the latest new technology. I, last time I switched from a regular car to a hybrid, and you know I'm always doing it that way because my money is not tied up in a depreciating asset that way. Mm. But my, my mileage is relatively limited now. If you're driving 50,000 miles a year, at least makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, okay, so gotcha. in many cases, if you have a family with two cars, buy one car and drive it into the ground for 300,000 miles and lease the other one if it's like you're commuting to the rail station or you know, you've know got a shorter kind of mileage on that. Okay. That may be best way to go. Now, two things on cars. First of all, you may think you're good at buying cars. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> People in the dealership doing this all day, you buy a car every five years, every 10 years, 
you don't understand the games they're playing with. You, you don't even know you've been ripped off when you've been ripped off. Okay? <laughs> you, you, they, they, they give you a really horrible deal and you feel great about it. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so get somebody on your that. side. Yeah. Get somebody on your side who knows how to play the game. Uh, and these are independent car buying services. My favorite one is called carq.com, C-A-R, the letter Q.com. Woman who runs it named Linda Goldberg, I've known for years. She's got my last five cars for me. Wow. This is all she does for like 30 years is battle with car dealers. So you tell her what color, what model, what option, all the things you want. And then she shops it within like 500 miles around of where you live. And then she just gets the best possible deal, financing or leasing or however you want to do it. Yeah. And you show up and sign the papers. Done. So she saves a lot of time, a lot of money. All, all that haggling and like the walking done. out. <laughs> done. That whole game, yeah. And last car I got, I went to the local dealer, got the best deal I could. I signed the whole thing. You have a three-day rescission period. I faxed in the details to her. She saved $4,000 over the best deal I could get in person. And uh, so this is what she does. So I've just saved you a ton of money and time on buying cars, carq.com. And the other thing a lot of people doing today is getting into cars and with payments they can't afford. Okay. Uh, So. You want a real growth business, Jeff? You want a real growth business now? Sure. Sure. The repo business, okay? Because a lot of these cars <laughs> are coming back. So you should be Jeff the man with the hook. Because <laughs> a lot of people took on payments they couldn't really afford. And the repossession and that the happens quite a bit. Rate yeah. is going up a lot. Yeah. yeah. So here's a solution for that. Instead of paying you know, something you really can't afford and having the car repossessed, which ruins your credit, there are these websites where you can adjust your car payment to a more affordable one instantly. And then wow. you, in effect, refinance your car loan to a payment that you can afford. Uh, a website for that is called MyLoanGen, G-E-N, MyLoanGen.com. Wow. Free website. Okay. You put in uh, your car payment, how many more months you have to go, the interest rate, da 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 And then you click on this little dial and you you say okay my current car payment's 400 if i extend the, the maturity from 3 years to 6 years it'll be 200 or whatever the numbers are you can play around with it uh-huh. and you pick the payment that it fits into your budget and you click on it and then it goes to a whole bunch of credit unions who compete for your business to give you a better deal than you've got right now so you've just refinanced your car loan and avoid your car getting picked up in the middle of the night without by the repo man on the hook which <laughs> is business you're about to go into i hear uh, no, well, <laughs> now that you mentioned it. I would give it. you a growth business idea, you see. <laughs> I, 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 the last car that I bought, I, bu- I like to buy cars at CarMax. Yeah. Uh, and uh, mostly just because I'm lazy. Um, I'm probably overspending. But You are. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I have a car and I didn't haggle, you know, so that's, that's a win for me. I'm not a big haggler. But you um, don't have to be the haggle. Let them do the That's haggle. right. See, I wish I, I kind of wish I would have known about carq.com. That's there you go. That sounds kind of so, cool. But so the you last save tons of money and tons of time and get yourself a better deal. And because it's all done in the back rooms, that's where all the negotiating goes on. Right. You're not even there. In when the they, like when the right? salesman pretends to go talk to his boss, that's where it's all happening. Okay. And you're not there. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're talking about golf and he's pretending <laughs> to talk to his boss about your deal. Exactly. <laughs> what well, this hilarious. this car that I got at CarMax, it, it it I think it had been repossessed. Aha. Uh-huh. It seemed like that. Because well, it was like nearly new 
it was like, I mean, super shiny and it wasn't, you know, it was like definitely somebody put in the time to put in all the options that they wanted uh-huh. and make it look really cool. Did you notice cool. a big hook, hook mark under the hook, uh, <laughs> bumper? I, I don't know how it worked, you know, because CarMax will just buy your car. You know, that's right. that's one of the cool things they do is that's they don't. another place they rip you off is the, the trade in value. It, really? Okay. So Every th- time. Absolutely. Well, most car dealers will screw you with uh, with math and sheets and stuff. Uh, yeah, but the, re- the trade-in is a big way that they rip Right. Oh, yeah. I went through that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got screwed in that one, too. <laughs> oh, good. Does that count as a veer? <laughs> uh, well, I learned that I, I was stupid and I shouldn't do that again. But well, that's then, good. Then I just went to CarMax and I got screwed in a new and interesting way. Good. Good. <laughs> But at least it was different. I mean, these are just some examples of the kind right. of things I can help people with that they don't even know they're losing money. Or they're, they right. didn't think there's any alternative to paying a mortgage for 30 years or, or just you know, going to a car dealer. Earning 8% or yeah. getting ripped off with car deals. There's plenty more. But I'm, this is the kind of thing <laughs> I love to help people with. Yeah. Yeah. I just dumped a bunch of useless life insurance. So, uh-huh. so that was well, Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about this. So, if you have insurance you don't need anymore. Right. The, the typical way that people do it is they lapse the policy. They just let it go away, right? No, don't do that. Okay. At least they didn't do that. <laughs> okay. That's what most people do. So okay. instead, yeah. you could yeah. sell that policy. That's what I did. For particularly tens, possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is what's called the life settlement market. Interesting. See, now I didn't do that. that. buy that policy, mm. okay? And then when you die, they collect the death benefit, but they take over the premiums. You get cash. Okay. They become the beneficiary and they own the policy, so they pay the premiums. So I'm taking it, I would have gotten more money than the cash value that I traded in for. Typically four times the money. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Now, where um, were you three years ago? <laughs> I've, been, I've been doing this for 40 years. We, just didn't, we didn't connect until now. Um, but I mean, typically they want, you probably wouldn't be the best candidate because they want people that are on the older side. Right. And frankly, sicker is good too. I and mean, they don't want you to hang around too long. So <laughs> if you've got like a heart condition, that would be good. You know, cerebral uh, yeah, palsy would yeah. be good. See, Leprosy I probably would wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have got away with it then. Um, but I mean, say you're in your 70s and you've got a heart condition or something like that. And say you've got a million dollar policy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And say it's, I'm making this up, $10,000 a year premiums or something like that. Wow. So somebody, you go in the life settlement market. Um, they say, okay, I'll buy that policy for you for $400,000. You get 400000 in cash right now. Wow. You don't have to pay the $10,000 premiums anymore. Right. And then when you die, they get the million dollars. Okay. But it's so still, they know they're going to get the million still dollars. On the property or the, the policy. It's well, just, they, they have become the beneficiaries and the owners. Oh. You are still insuring your life. Okay. But they become That's the beneficiaries. weird. <laughs> okay. That's and weird. there's a whole so world basically that does you're, you're, this. Wow, that's so neat. they get they pay four hundred thousand up front. Yeah, and they pay the premiums for as but long as you live. Four hundred grand when you're seventy. That's that's a nice chunk yeah. of change. Yeah, and then when you die, you can you they've can put invested four hundred thousand right. and maybe five hundred thousand over ten years or whatever, and they get a million. They yeah. double their money. Boy, and they don't know when they're going to get paid. Right, but they know they're going to get paid eventually. But that's why if you're a little bit older and sicker, they tend to like that. I mean, if you're yeah. like. 50 and healthy, they're not going to do it. They don't want to wait 50 years for their money. You know, they're willing to wait maybe 10 or 20 years. And hopefully you don't have any kids because they'll be pissed. (laughs) Tell your kids about this, okay? (laughs) 
you are disinheriting them. But meanwhile, it allows you to live your own life without yeah. money. Right. right. Well, so there's a website for that, that as well. There's a website to find that about that, which is called fundinglife.com. F-U-N-D-I-N-G, fundinglife.com. They put buyers and sellers of life insurance policies together. Hmm. So you would be the seller. Right. And they've got loads of people that want to buy these policies because they're going to get a good return in the long run. And they'll do a whole portfolio. They might have 100 of them. And somebody's going to die every year, so they get a payoff. Um, so, uh, and again, the life insurance company will never tell you this is a possibility. They want that policy to lapse. You're paying them premiums for many, many, many years, and then you just disappear. They just get to keep your money. Isn't that great for them? So they'll never tell you about life settlements. I don't understand. So, oh, you mean the the po- the policy expires before you die? Well, that could happen if it's a term policy. Uh-huh. But I mean, I'm, say the premiums are going up to levels you can't oh, afford. Oh, lapse means you just stop making payments. You, you just stop making payments, and the policy disappears. So if you stop making payments on, on you just you get nothing. Correct. Wow. Right? If you had cash value, yeah. then you could get the cash value back, which is usually but, I mean, peanuts. Piddly. Yeah. Right. Right. And here, I mean, in my case, the cash value might be fifty thousand. You get four hundred thousand. Right. So the wow. insurance company would love to give you back your 50000 and they're off the hook for a million. Yeah. Right? This keeps them on the hook. That's why they'll never tell you about this. <laughs> right? that's, that's amazing. So somebody else is going to pay your premium. You get a big pile of cash, and when you die, they get the payoff. Correct. So as and long as it's within... Because it, whoever the current beneficiary is... Say it's your spouse, your kids. Yeah, they're not going to get the death benefit. Right, you're buying the policy, but <laughs> right, but you can share the four hundred grand with them. Yeah, kids are normally very happy about this because, because it yeah. allows you to stay in your home. Right, and they don't have to worry about buying you a car or whatever you might yeah. need when you're. It retired. allows you to be self-sufficient. Correct. I mean, yeah, I always say there are the people who go to college and come back at, at, to, to live with their parents again are the boomerang generation. But these are the reverse boomerangers. This is where the parents move back with the kids. Yeah. Because they can't afford to live. This allows the parents to stay in their house and the kids can keep their house without having the grandparents moving back in. So it works for everybody. As long as you have communication and say, this is what I'm doing. Great. Get your 400000 Live your life. You don't have to move back with us. Okay. So we are coming up <laughs> on an hour. So we're going to wrap. I'm, okay. I'm kind of bummed because there's more stuff that I wanted to talk about. There's a longer list here. Maybe I'll have to have you back. All right. I'm glad to. This is just an example. <laughs> this they is the tip of the iceberg. Right. 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 They don't teach any of this stuff in school, right? Yeah. This has been a blast and I learned a ton. I'm going to have to go and, uh, and you, could you email me a list of all those uh, websites? Websites? Sure. That'd be great. Or just type them in the Skype window or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I, I'd love to take notes, but then it, you would hear me taking notes and I wouldn't be paying attention to you. That's but, what's so great about podcasts. People can listen to it later. and They can listen and, to it later, but I have to do the show notes. So that but means, in every case, you see, I not only gave them a strategy, but I gave them a, a website. To implement yes, and stuff. not just your site, which is amazing. Good for right. you. Yes. Right. Jordan Goodman of MoneyAnswers.com. This has been a blast. Thank you so much. And I'm glad to take emails from your folks as well and help them out in any way possible. Thanks. Hey, have a good one. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Thank you.